On today's edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, we're pretty confident that most of these Georgia Bulldogs joining the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be pretty good in 2023 and the future. But if you had to bank on just a few being stars at this level, who would you bank on? All that and more on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in Eagles fans to a Wednesday edition of the show. Shout out to the everydayers for making us your first listen Monday through Friday. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL. When you enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, we are sponsored today by Bird Dogs. We thank Bird Dogs for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And Gino, on today's show, we're going to talk Georgia Bulldogs because the Philadelphia Eagles have kind of become the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Last year, you draft Jordan Davis. You move up for him in the first round. You select N'Kobe Dean in the third round, who most people thought was probably a day one pick, and he falls because of some you know phantom injury concerns. And then this year, they didn't just double down. They tripled down. They took in the first round both Jalen Carter moving up from 10 to 9, and then at 30, they stand pat and take Nolan Smith, and then they trade up in the fourth round on day three, and they select cornerback Kelly Ringo. So five guys from this national championship Bulldogs team, not to mention they also traded for DeAndre Swift during the draft, so they've been all in on this school. And I think, you know, we're all pretty confident that most of these players, and I would bank on all of them at least being good, at the NFL level. And most of them I think will be great, but, and I posed this question on Twitter and it was interesting to see all the different responses. If you had to bank on, let's just say out of the five, let's say two become stars. And I think that's not an optimistic way to look at it, but let's just say two become stars at the the next level and the rest are just good or okay. Who would you bank on being those two stars? I'm going to go ahead and say N'Kobe Dean, number one. And I think a lot of it has to do off of circumstance simply because he is going to be asked to be the green dot signal caller, which we found out over the course of OTAs that he is going to be the one calling the plays. And when you look at exactly what he is going to be tasked to do, Lou, he's going to be successful because he's going to be around the football so much. And it's going to be in a multitude of different ways. It's going to be in coverage. It's going to be tracking sideline to sideline. You'll even see him coming downhill a little bit. And when you go to the other guys, Keely Ringo, is he going to get on the field right away? Jalen Carter, is he going to be a more rotational piece than he is a true every down player right away? Jordan Davis, can he take that next step? When I look at defensively, these guys, Lou, I can't look yeah. past how good Nicobe Dean could be right away in 2023, where after week one, you're saying he's got 12 tackles, maybe one or two for loss, and even a forced fumble, and you're like, yeah, that's why they got a first-round talent in the third round and expected him to do exactly what he is doing, taking the role of two guys that, especially one of them and TJ Edwards, who they believed in so much, but two guys that played at a Super Bowl caliber level. True. You have to believe that the people in the front office and the coaching staff believe exactly what we're saying, that they trust they must this yeah. gap year right to let now both where you go? don't I mean exactly yeah, I mean the Eagles haven't had great inside linebacker play in a long time really since like Nigel Bradham you know for a few years but outside of that they've always had trouble this position and mm-hmm. the fact that they let both guys go that were consistently making plays and even if they weren't making a ton of big plays last year splash plays 
they weren't really ever getting in trouble and costing this team like a, a Nate Geary would, right? Of course. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the fact you're 100% right that they let both of those guys walk in free agency and neither one got a really big contract. They probably could have matched Chicago or Arizona's offer. Mm-hmm. That says a ton about Nicobe Dean. So I, most people agreed with you on Twitter that Dean was one. Who would you say your second guy would be? He would be the one I left out of that first conversation where I said Keeley might not be on the field that often. Jordan and Jalen might be rotational. Nolan Smith is going to be a rotational piece too, Lou. But what he is going to be asked to do, it can be an 8-10 to sack season or double-digit tackles for loss and pocket pressure type of season simply because he's the 6th or 7th guy off of the bench on the edge. And when you're in the 3rd and 4th quarter and teams – offensive tackles haven't been off the field because they're trying to play catch up with you. And Nolan Smith is going to be there on a lot of those plays, Lou. And just how good he is as an athlete, I think it's easy for him to get minutes in that rotation simply because you can put him kind of everywhere. And they are light at linebacker. So if you're going to put more guys on the field, it'll probably be somebody who can do some things that a linebacker can do being he could drop into spot drops in coverage. He could probably play out a little bit wider, maybe track to the sideline than somebody like Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis, who are going to be tasked with plugging up the middle of the field right. and getting into the QB. But Nolan Smith, just like N'Kobe Dean, should be around the ball a ton. Even in a rotational position, Lou, he's going to get snaps because the guys ahead of him, Hassan Riddick, Josh Sweat, they both know that this is a rotation. Brandon Graham knows this is a rotation. And anybody that comes to Philadelphia knows they're going yep. to be part of a rotation. No, I agree. And, and all four guys, outside of N'Kobe Dean, the other three are definitely going to be part of a rotation on this defensive line. The majority of people on Twitter actually agreed with you that they would say N'Kobe Dean and Nolan Smith, or they would say Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. Nolan Smith was the most popular answer. And I get that. When you look at the the mm. character, the leadership perspective, I think you're going to get long-term, the speed he has, the pass rushing ability. I think people are confident that his size isn't going to be a problem and it's going to translate at the next level. And I think a lot of Eagles fans are confident in that because they just saw a player like that last year in Hassan Reddick completely go off. And he was probably the best defensive player in the league from week one to week you know, 19 all the way into the Super Bowl. So, you know, I agree with Nolan Smith and Kobe Dean. I would say probably Jalen Carter's ceiling of all these players is the highest. And maybe you could say Jordan Davis's floor is the highest just based on him being a pure run-stopping nose. But of all the question marks, like Dean's size, Nolan Smith's size, Jalen Carter's, you know, the questions about his work ethic and personality. Not sure how much of that I buy, but there are a lot of questions that we can't really answer ourselves. And then Jordan Davis's pass rushing ability. I'd probably say of the four, I think Dean and Smith probably carry the least amount of questions. Like if it didn't work out, you know, we know why. So I think it's an interesting discussion. I think all of them are going to be pretty damn good at this level, but it's interesting that the two picks that most took, including you and me, are probably the two guys that, I don't know, during the draft process had, I mean, again, it's a least amount of buzz compared to other, you know, Georgia picks that were all expected to be day one picks. But right when you say like the household names were more Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter during the draft process than, you know, Dean and Smith. Oh, and even Ringo, too. I mean, a lot of yeah, people thought right. he would go a lot higher in the Eagles. And again, they were all very that. well known. I'm just saying compared to the others, right? Oh, definitely so. Definitely yeah. so. And I want to touch on the idea of a high floor for Jordan Davis because I'm right there with you, Lou. You you told me we were going to be doing this exercise, and I was thinking, yeah, he's going to have a high floor, but could his ceiling really be 
somebody that I mocked and I ate crow on it, like Dexter Lawrence. I yeah, could no, see him sure. becoming that type of player and like not a Jeffrey Simmons. He's a little bit different of a mold, but that next big interior defensive tackle that does that two-way type of thing that gets a $20 million deal. Are yes. you going to pay both of those guys $20 million plus in six years from now? That would be a great conversation to have. And ultimately with those two picks, that's what you have to be thinking, right? Like you don't make that selection to say, yeah, Jordan Davis, he's going to be a two-down player. We're never going to put him in on third downs. We don't believe he can evolve at all. We don't believe that his skill set translates to the next level. No, they believe in all yeah. of that. And they're just waiting for him to take that next step where next year, I believe Nicobe and Nolan will show up a lot. Man, Jordan could be there day one, making stops in the run game. And then all of a sudden he has this new step in his pass rush. And maybe he has a more evolved pass rush skill set and his arsenal sure. is deeper. And all of a sudden he's just body bagging these guys who he has 30, 40 pounds on in the interior to the defensive line. And Jalen Carter's right next to him wreaking havoc as well. And, all of these guys are successful because in the Eagles defense, there is a lot of opportunity. And that's that's the line that you have to kind of walk. Who's going to take advantage of that opportunity right away? And who is the longer term opportunity right away? For sure. I think it's easy for the linebacker and maybe an edge rusher and what Philadelphia does. And then on the interior, those guys, they stick around here, right? I mean, they love that position. Somebody's yeah. going to have to replace Fletch. Somebody's going to have to replace Javon Hargrave. You might have him right there. A lot of young talent, a lot of upside for new defensive coordinator Sean Desai to develop in 2023 and beyond. I want to talk about Desai's philosophy, Gino, with you coming up next. He had some interesting things to say during his press conference that I'm really encouraged by, and I think Jonathan Gannon didn't always do best, and I think most would agree with that. So we'll get into that coming up next right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And guys, today's show is sponsored by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. It's just that simple. I've been wearing Bird Dogs now for two summers, and my wardrobe used to be just terrible. You know, when it comes to shorts, they were actually really comfortable, but they would look terrible. Or if they looked good, they weren't comfortable at all. Bird Dogs has changed the game. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look, which is, that's the style now, Gino. It's not the early 2000s where on guys, everything looks baggy. Things are shorter now. They're not over the knee and they're sculpted to your body. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton, Bird Dogs, they fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. If you're out on the golf course or whatever you're doing, working make out, sure you're I use wearing them all bird the dogs. time to working live out. Now. Exactly. It's getting warmer. Use Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL and enter the promo code LOCKDOWNNFL in all capital letters for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order of khaki shorts or whatever you're going to for Bird Dogs. Birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You don't want to miss this offer. You don't want to make sure that you're not wearing Bird Dogs this summer. We promise you. We thank Bird Dogs for sponsoring the Lockdown. On Eagles podcast today. 
All right, Eagles fans, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Locked on Eagles, your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers Monday through Friday. Right now in off-season mode, going to have about three to four episodes a week just for a few weeks until training camp gets rolling here. Uh, Much-needed break for us. Gino's got his uh, bachelor party this week in Atlantic City. Finally doing it, man. Cheesesteaks, man. He's getting back out. I know. My brother's wedding's this week, so it's definitely wedding season for everybody. It's an exciting time. But I really, at the same time, though, Gino, football season's right around the corner. Can't wait for training camp. Can't wait to see these guys on the field you know we were talking about the excitement of these Georgia Bulldogs right Nicobe Dean mm-hmm. Jordan Davis Jalen Carter Nolan Smith and Kelly Ringo talking about their ceilings and um, I think we have the right guy at defensive coordinator to get the most out of these players to put them in a position to succeed which Chauncey Gardner Johnson said former defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon did not do especially in Super Bowl 57 and Desai was talking about his philosophy the other day Gino he had a press conference and I really loved what he said And the Eagles have had a lot of coaches in the past that have had this philosophy, but I think it's especially important now that you have a young defense, a lot younger than you've had in the past. So listen to this quote, Sean Desai, you have to always think about your scheme in relationship to the players you have and getting in the players' minds. You got to be able to develop the player, meet them where they're at, get them to grow and be better than what they think they could have become. And I think that's super important because... There's a lot of coaches in the past that are like, this is my scheme, this is what you're going to mold to, or we're going to draft a player that fits that scheme, rather than, hey, let's get the best players in here talent-wise, and then what do they do best? We're going to mold our defense around that, and that's what Philadelphia is doing right now really well, and it's even more important this year than any, because, again, this is the youngest they've been, Gino, I feel like in a long time on this side of the ball. When was the last time they had this much young talent on defense? Ooh, I mean, question. it's been forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the the 2015 years, you're every, at how many right, veterans they were all are veterans. Squad, every right? year they've yeah. tried to rebuild this defense mm-hmm. for like a decade. It's always been through free agency and you know, like veteran mm-hmm. players. Yeah, and when you look at at the the youth on the defense, it's usually coming at one position, right? When you had that right. young cornerback room, or yes. you had a, a lot of the times that linebacker room is pretty young, but sure. most of the time Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox was on that defense and those guys mm-hmm. were around forever in the exactly. safety group. You had the Malcolm Jenkins and the Rodneys and those guys that were around forever as well. But you look at it now, when you look back to when Nick Sirianni was hired, right? Everybody came in with that, that presidential talking point, all three guys, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon. We're going to yep. put our guys in the best position to succeed we're not going to just go with our scheme and be hard-headed. We're going to put these guys in a position which matches their skill set. And I think two of those three guys did exactly that. Mm. Because when push came to shove and when actions speak louder than words, we realized what Jonathan Gannett presented. He yep. presented a lie to us that he was going to put arguably the best defense in that position to win. And what I love that Sean Desai brought up was that you can't take away anything of what that defense did last year. But then to say exactly what he said to follow that up, Lou, with that quote of what you said is perfect. Because when you look at this defense, it is young, but it does have those veterans. And those veterans aren't going to learn new tricks, right? Remember, I think it was that first year of Jonathan Gannon where Fletcher Cox made that comment where he wasn't in a position that he liked to play. They were using him more as that four-eye tech where he's reading two after him, But I, I was with Fletch at the time. Yeah, I I was with Fletcher at the time, too, and I think we can look back at that time as well that that's what happened throughout his tenure. Look to the Super Bowl. They were not put in a position to succeed, but now with Desai, he has done that. Look at that Seattle team last year, Lou, and even the year before that, how good that defense was two years ago. And then last year when they got high-profile young talent, 
what Desai promises. And he promises to put those guys in a position where they're not thinking and doing 20 different things, right? Like you can't bring a guy in, which Jacksonville's doing with Trevon Walker right now, making him play more of a 3-4 defensive end than a true yeah. pass. Well, like rusher. Arizona was doing with Isaiah Simmons, right? And, and Hassan just, Riddick. And you go down and Hassan the list Riddick. of all yeah, these guys, right? right? And Desai truly speaks that through his actions. You can't look at the success of that young Seattle defense last year and say Sean Desai wasn't a huge And keep in mind, Gino, some of those guys like Kobe Bryant was, what, a fourth-round pick? Tariq Willen Willen was a fifth-round pick? I mean, they weren't all like first-round selections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, neither was Uchenna and Wosu or Daryl Taylor. I mean, those guys aren't high-profile first-round draft picks, and even the draft picks that they did get, Mm. they might not have been first-round quality talent and. They made out pretty well last year, Lou. Would you say that that Seattle defense did enough to win games for them when Geno Smith might not have taken them over the hump? Absolutely. And Desai seems very well-spoken. And what I mean by that is that he isn't just saying things to say them. He genuinely means what he is saying. And I, I took a lot of good things away from his press conference the other day. And one of them seems that he's just very self-aware of like what he does have, right? And you can't look at this defense and come in here and say, oh, I'm just going to make all these guys earn their job. No, like a lot of these guys have their job, right? It's how you surround those guys who already have their job with these new pieces and that you just don't take the new car out for a run and put it into the wall on the first yeah. lap, right? Like you have to put... Jalen Carter in the right position, and how does Nicobe Dean get that success we talk about? You or put Nolan him Smith, in that like that's a position. that's a player much like Hassan Reddick that you could use in the wrong way, and then he does become a bust, right? So mm-hmm. I, I do feel like it's an important role, especially with this defense. And it's not to say that Gannon, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I mean, last year they were number one in almost every category during the regular season. This defense was phenomenal. So it's not like he had the scheme that nobody fit in, where you know it's a three four, right. and Brandon Graham's lined up asking to drop back in coverage, like. You know, it's Billy Davis's defense. Like, it wasn't that, but you know, I just think there were too many times that Gannon's scheme wouldn't let his talented players make plays. It it wasn't that they were like set up to fail. It was just really they were set up to just not cause any damage. Like it was just like a, a preventative measure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying you're our talented guy, we trust you. Get up at the line, go make a play. You know what I mean? So it wasn't that it was a, a bad scheme fit for most of these players. It was more just that they weren't in a position to utilize their fullest talent, you know, based on playmaking ability. And when you talk about scheme, a lot of people just think it's just a black and white answer. Like, oh, I run a three, four. I do that. No, yeah. scheme is like you can everything. change every play it's based like, on your personnel. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's it's situational play calling. Like when Brandon Graham's on the field against, versus Nolan Smith, you know, that it's going to be a different scheme on that play versus yeah, the next. It's not the same thing. You're not just putting, right. you're not comparing apples to apples, right? It's, it's the situational play call. It's the personnel at times. It's when to go big up front, when to yeah. go light in the defensive secondary. And that's where Jonathan and Gannon kind of got in trouble, especially in the playoffs, Lou, where I know you're playing one of the best head coaches of all time and one of the best quarterbacks ever, but to not make one stop, though, that's your scheme failing. That is all of your hypothesis testing over the last two years and everything that you put in your manual of how I coach defense went awry. So Desai, I keep saying it, is probably going to be the most easily beloved guy before he even steps onto the field because of not being Jonathan Gannon. Well, Simply and again, you know, like, 
and, and his defense is going to be similar in ways to Gannon for sure. A lot of it's going to be based on not getting beat deep. That That's the NFL mm-hmm. right now. A lot of it will be that preventative defense, you know, and trying to stop the passing game. But at the same time, I trust Desai more and we'll see, you know, push comes to shove. We got to actually see it when they're on the field and the decisions he makes and, yeah. you know, crunch time in certain situations. But like in the Super Bowl, when they needed to change things up, I think I trust Desai to you know step up and be like, okay, no, now's the time we blitz. Now's the time to be more aggressive. Now's the time to actually call off the dogs. I just think he'll be better in those situations, especially against like star quarterbacks where Gannon just really wasn't. And he was like, nope, just keep the same thing, the same thing, regardless mm-hmm. of the situation. And I think that's important. That's you know when you have that kind of talent, you need your defensive coordinator to make sure you're not holding them back. And you know they were the field was a big part of it in that Super Bowl. And of course you're playing Mahomes. And Andy Reid, but I, I still will never forget those two touchdowns in the second half to Sky Moore on the left, and then they or was it Tony first, and then they went the same play just to the left, mm-hmm. and they the Eagles weren't ready for either one, and so you know after that Gannon was dead to me, was dead to me. Uh, speaking of dead to Eagles fans, Gino, how about Chris Sims? And uh, and again, I don't really love giving it attention because it's really just clickbait, and that, that's you know kind of the slant he's going for. But we got to defend our quarterback um, on his top forty quarterback rankings. Uh, Chris Sims has Jalen Hurts seventh, and last year, if you would have said that was a quarterback rankings for Hurts, we would have took that you know hundred times out of a hundred. But considering where he's at right now, I think we both agree that's too low, especially considering as much as I love these guys and so do you, the fact that Justin Herbert's ahead of him at number four, Trevor Lawrence at six. I mean, I, I think Hurts is definitely too low and especially his reasoning for the fumble in the Super Bowl, I think is ridiculous. When you look at the landscape of young quarterbacks in the National Football League, I think there are a lot of people who say a lot of intelligent points about all of them. Yeah. Chris Sims isn't one of them. And that's why I get really upset when people say, oh, you have to have played the sport to know what you're talking about. No, you don't, folks, because Chris Sims is a person and he makes a good amount of money off of saying absolute nonsense. But, Lou, I will take the positive away and not really focus on him as much and just say, for Jalen to be in this conversation, how great does that feel? It's awesome. That every year moving forward, we are going to have this exact discussion in a new NFL where you aren't just saying, yeah, let's compare him to to Brady's, Breeze, Rodgers. Yeah, we're, this year we're not comparing it. Like last year it's Hurts versus Tua talk, right? Or right. versus Wentz. And this year it's Jalen Hurts versus Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, Jalen Hurts versus Josh Allen. And that's big. But – you know, him saying that like he blew the lead in the Super Bowl only to put Justin Herbert three spots ahead as if we didn't watch what happened to him against Jacksonville in the playoffs is, I think, bananas. And again, I love Lawrence and Herbert, but Jalen Hurts last year, I mean, was number one in almost every statistical category when it comes to passing in the pocket. He's a top two or three rushing quarterback as well. You know, when it comes to like accuracy and maturity, everything that you want in a quarterback, pretty much Jalen has it. He's the runner-up as the MVP to Patrick Mahomes. He outduels Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I mean, how can you not have him top three? Like, I would understand why you would put definitely Mahomes. I would I would understand the argument for even Burrow, for Allen, for maybe Lamar. But even Lamar is getting a little shaky. To have Lawrence or Herbert ahead of him, I, I think is I think Hurts at the worst is number four or five. 
And that's why quarterback wins are ridiculous because why are you not mentioning Josh Allen in any of these conversations when it comes to blowing big time? But again, I I would get why you have Allen ahead of him. He's been great for four straight. Yeah, We need to talk about actual quarterback plays, what we need to talk about, not these ridiculous narratives. I mean, if I'm talking about the top five quarterbacks, how I'm going to break it down, have they taken their team to, I would just say the precipice, right? At least like a conference championship. Yes, at least a conference championship, right? Have they been in the discussion for the MVP? Yes. Have they been on par with guys that have won the former MVP, and if not, better? And I put Jalen right in that conversation because he's battling against those guys like Josh to where at the point I would say – Silly as I sounded saying, I didn't like Josh Allen. There was a time where I'm taking Josh over Jalen 20 times out of 20. Now I take Jalen like probably seven out of 10 times over Josh Allen. You can make right? the argument. Yeah. And, and I know Hertz has only done it one year, whereas like Burrow's done it multiple years now. So is Allen. So is Lamar. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I would understand the conversation for those guys. But um, to have, you can make the argument for Hertz over those guys. And I think you could at, he, like, he is definitely ahead of Trevor Lawrence right now. And I loved what Agreed. Lawrence and Doug Peterson did last year. I'm a big Justin Herbert guy, as are you, but those two do not have the resume already that even Hertz has just based on, you know, what he did in one year. And you even got to give him credit for Look 2021. The he broke Lou. He did yeah. things that quarterbacks never have done before. Right. And he got hurt. Like the numbers could have been even better. And I do want to say, like, 2021, he wasn't a great passer, but to go 7-2 and two down the stretch and make the playoffs, like, Justin Herbert, really, like, his season last year was kind of, I mean, that was the first time he got into the playoffs. Jalen, even in 2021, had done something that Herbert hadn't done, you know, overcoming those kind of obstacles. And if you were saying, yeah, we're comparing a guy like Lamar who might not have the best completion percentage right and he might not have had the best but then you can talk situation right yeah then we could talk situation right but if you're talking like pure overall player like Lamar might realistically be the best one of the bunch if you're talking about it right like the best player for and I don't have to argue that with you you love the freaking guy right yeah that's why I hate when anybody asks me Lamar versus Hurts I try to not answer right (laughs) because that's a tough conversation it's a very nuanced conversation though right like well again it's like comparing like one piece of gold to another it's like how do you I don't know I mean it you know it's like yeah it's like diamonds right like you have to look inside the diamond to see any imperfections right it's like it's still a diamond it's still like comparing like billions of dollars it's like they're they're billions of dollars i don't know i mean when you get that high what is the difference really and splitting hairs and my point in all that is as a quarterback though that's what you have to break down like what is the quarterback position today is it just the pure best passer is it just the pure best runner the best overall type of player i think when you mix all those things into the conversation how do you leave Jalen out of that? Because yeah. what he can give you on the ground is a lot better than probably 98% of the quarterbacks in the league outside of Lamar Jackson. And probably you have to say Josh Allen or the other two that could compete with him, maybe Justin Fields moving forward, but right now. And then as a thrower, to take that leap year over to year to where you're in the top of all of these numbers of throwing inside the pocket and completion percentage and explosive plays and made that jump that guys like Josh Allen did year over year. Why is he not regarded in the same light as those guys were? That's where. And again, I, I think he. I think I he is. This is just really only one guy that's trying to, yeah, you know, 100%. poke the bear that is the Eagles fan base for sure. Because again, with Burrow, with Lamar, with Allen, with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. 
it's a, it's such a toss up. But I think there is a clear distinction, at least right now, maybe not based on talent, but based on the resume, you can't really make the argument for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert ahead of Jalen no. Hurts. You just, you just can't right now. So not again, I'm not saying he done. should be right. I'm not saying he should be number one. I'm not even saying he should be number four. He has to at least be five. Or, or four or five ahead of those other two guys. So, uh, again, I, I know it's clickbait, but, you know, it's an interesting conversation for sure because with those players, those are elite quarterbacks as well, and it's, like you said, a nuanced, very contextualized conversation. And I think for him it was definitely lacking context, or at least the, the context he tried to place on it with the Super Bowl logic just makes no sense over one play as if Jalen Hurts wasn't the only reason they even had a chance. Do you know, if, if, they mm-hmm. don't, if he doesn't fumble that, you still think the defense isn't, like in the second half, they still didn't have a stop. The score would have been so much worse if it wasn't for mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so, it's almost like survival or anti-survival bias, right? Or no, it is survival bias. It's like to one where, touchdown versus what the defense gave up in the second half. I mean, give me. But a break. what can you say that Jalen Hurts has over the other thirty guys in the conversation that he was there battling Patrick Mahomes? Right. Exactly. You have to add that into the conversation yeah. as well, right? And none of the other guys, except for Joe Burrow, got to that level outside of Mah- like Mahomes, Burrow, oh. and Hurts. Of all the guys we mentioned, I love Lamar. He's never been to a conference championship. That's not all his fault, but he's never been. Josh Allen, he's been to one conference championship he's never been to the super bowl herbert and lawrence they haven't gotten to the final four either so yeah mm-hmm. i think we both agree jalen at least a top five quarterback which is a uh, pretty fun to talk about this is a much better debate though or discussion than what we were talking about last year Facts. all right guys that's going to do it for today's edition of the lockdown eagles podcast shout out to the everydayers monday through friday for making us your first listen each and every day we're part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day hit us up on twitter at lockdown birds at dbc loe and at gc24 underscore football we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the show for gino camilleri i'm lou dibiase signing off as always thank you for downloading thank you for watching and listening and let's go birds Fly, Eagles, fly.